AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA. Thanks so much for joining us and kicking off a new week with us. We always appreciate you letting us be part of your day. We're going to talk weather. we got some stormy weather moving across the Midwest. We'll talk with John Baranek, DTM meteorologist. We're going to talk about uh, packing plants and line speeds with Steve Meyer with Partners for Production Agriculture. And we're going to talk about consumer acceptance of technology and food production. Charlie Arnott with the Center for Food Integrity will be joining us a little bit later on. So lots of ground to cover, but we like to start things off each week with Sarah Wyatt, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, how are you? Doing great. We survived the storms mostly intact that came across our part of the Mm. state, so hope you did too. Yeah, they're just kind of rumbling across uh, my area right now. Uh, Let's take it. We got a lot of things to look at here. Let's start with an update where we are with the infrastructure and the budget reconciliation. There's talk that maybe the Democrats will come down from three and a half uh, trillion, although some don't want to come down. Some think that's even too low. Where do we stand on this right now? Well, Mike, last week there was a real uh, big vote in terms of Senate uh, ranking minority member Mitch McConnell saying that he would cut a deal with a few members of his own party to uh, raise the debt limit. But it's only raised until December 3rd. And at the same time, there's a continuing resolution. So the government's funded. The drama from last week has passed. But the next frame of the drama is on this budget reconciliation package. And you still have progressives within the Democratic Party saying, we want $3.5 trillion. You've got more moderate members of the party like Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema from Arizona saying, no, that's too much. And as we had in our Washington Week in Review with Congressman Kurt Schrader, uh, he's saying he only wants $1 trillion, which is lower than even Manchin has agreed to maybe go up to $1.5 trillion. And the Pelosi, uh, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, needs to have all her Democrats hanging together. She can only afford to lose three. So the political math on this is still very, very unclear on how they're going to get to any kind of agreement. But they have time to do so. And as you know, Congress usually acts in a in a vacuum until they can hit another deadline, and then they, they hurry up and get something done. So now we're going to be looking at December 3rd, as the time where hopefully there will be some clarity on all of this. Well, I can remember when millions seemed like a lot of money, and then it became billions, and now they talk trillions. It's just amazing how those numbers are are thrown around now. Uh, let's talk about some Absolutely. other issues. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, some other the issues, the Biden administration has uh, some uh, some in agriculture are very concerned about their plan to expand monument designations, and I know that some groups feel like uh, this is an overreach by the federal government. Well, as you know, under the Obama administration, they did expand some of the ter- territory covered by these monuments, especially Bears Ears and others in the West, and um, now they pulled it back. And so it's a little bit like a you know territorial ping-pong ball in terms of uh, Republicans saying they'd like to have these lands managed at the state and regional level rather than a federal, uh, what they would call more of a land grab. Um, And and then you've got new Interior Secretary uh, Deb Holland saying that, you know, um, this is really, really important for the Native American uh, tribes that would like to have these designations expanded. So, um, you know, the sad thing, I think, Mike, is that if we're going to keep changing this with every administration, people won't even know where the real boundaries are and and where they're not. And that makes it especially difficult for ranchers who are trying to figure out what, you know, what can they do on public land. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, Catherine Tai, our U.S. Trade Representative, kind of laid out the, the administration's plans on dealing with China when it comes to trade. What were your takeaways from that? 
Well, I really struggled to see exactly what we could tell people came out of her discussions. Obviously, it's good she's having discussions. And, um, you know, we got a readout late Friday night. Uh, Bill Thompson on our team was on that call trying to figure out exactly what is going to be the path forward. Again, I think it's really good that they're talking. And, it, you know, we've had continued strong sales to China. And I think a lot of folks would like to see not only, you know, phase one completed, but to move on to a phase two um, but apparently Catherine Tai is going to focus a little bit more on some of these unresolved issues in phase one, including China did pledge to overhaul its process for approving genetically modified seed trades. And that's one of the issues that they did tee up that said, you know, hey, we want to keep working on this and, and get that resolved. Uh, but, you know, where it goes from there is not exactly clear other than further engagement. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that you said that because I came away from it thinking, what did we just learn here? I'm not sure what we learned. Uh, not many specifics, except I guess that the tariffs are going to stay in place. Yes, they are, but uh, she did express some openness to perhaps, you know, cherry pick on some of those and, and to remove a few. But again, it wasn't clear what that might be. So uh, we know that the Chinese are always very secretive about this. They're also very upset with some of the actions we've taken, especially in Taiwan. And so this chess game of, of guessing where we're going to go with trade with the Chinese is, is somewhat going to continue. I think the good news is that the, their demand pull remains very strong. And so to the extent that we uh, continue to fulfill that, U.S. farmers will be in pretty good shape. But as always, it'd be nice to have a little bit more of a glide path to know how to plan. Meanwhile, agriculture waiting and concerned about rulings from EPA on both uh, the RFS when it comes to biofuels and on WOTUS. Meanwhile, though, EPA has selected Rod Snyder as the ag advisor at EPA, and I think most ag groups are happy with that. Well, I have to say that given all the uncertainty at EPA over over these rulings that you just mentioned, uh, having Rod Snyder with a seat at the table is one of the best things that anybody in agriculture could have hoped for. Uh, many of you know that he worked for uh, Field to Market, establishing that sustainability framework that so many farm organizations were using to benchmark their improvements on sustainability. Prior to that, he worked for the National Corn Growers Association in crop life. He knows these issues. He understands the politics behind these issues as well as the policies. And so I think we're all very fortunate. Uh, hate to see him leave field to market. We've enjoyed working with Rod there. But uh, for in terms of an ag advisor, I think everybody in agriculture was kind of breathing a sigh of relief when that announcement became formal. Yep. And agriculture needs a strong voice at EPA, that's for sure. Sarah, thank you so much. Good to talk with you. You too, Mike. Have a great week. Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Up next, we check weather, harvest delays while storms move across the Midwest. We'll talk with DTN meteorologist John Baranek next on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart. I choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system because I know they've got my back. Their spray early weed control guarantee helps me get the most out of early season applications. If I experience less than commercially acceptable performance, I'm eligible for up to $15 per acre on additional applications. That's a system I can depend on. The Roundup Ready Extend Crop System. See program details at SprayEarlyGuarantee.com. Guarantee is subject to program restrictions. Always follow pesticide label directions. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. 
From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Why do I plant NK seeds? Because every seed's an investment, and I don't gamble on my farm. Out here, every seed's got to earn its acre. That's why I need corn and soybeans that deliver the results I expect. And it's why I always make room for elite performers from NK. Because every investment owes me a return. And success matters. Find your local NK retailer at nkseeds.com retailer. These acres you've put your life into. Your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, we have some uh, harvest delays across the Midwest as some thunderstorms rumble through. Let's see how widespread. Let's talk it over with John Baranek, DTM meteorologist. John, thanks for joining us. Uh, kind of bring us up to date on who's been getting rain, who's going to get rain this week. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Uh, we just had uh, the start of an active period here coming through this weekend. Uh, we had one system go through the in northern Minnesota, had a whole bunch of rainfall up there, lots of two to four inch amounts. Uh, then on Sunday, we had a system kind of emerge across the southern plains, producing some severe weather, some tornadoes, some wind reports there. And it's now getting into the Midwest as, uh, as it's working into Iowa and Missouri. That whole system is moving its way northeast into the Great Lakes. And we'll see some more severe weather potential here over Illinois and uh, possibly Wisconsin and Indiana as well. Uh, that system kind of moves out on Tuesday, and then the big system kind of clearing out everything behind that uh, is, is kind of starting to move into the uh, the Rockies right now, and it'll it'll be developing a low pressure center in, in Colorado on Tuesday, and uh, really spreading heavy heavy rainfall across uh, the Dakotas into Minnesota, and there are lots of scattered showers and thunderstorms from Nebraska and Iowa southward. Uh, west of the Mississippi River here on Wednesday and then Thursday. Front to that system, as we continue to kind of look at the, the pattern here, the front to that system is going to stall kind of around the Ohio River back to the southern plains, and it'll wait until another system uh, emerging from the, uh, from the Rockies picks that up and heads its way northeast. So we've got lots of rainfall chances across pretty much everybody uh, this week. It's going to be a, quite active, that's for sure. Yeah, sounds like it. So depending on where you're at. Some some of these delays uh, could last a while for harvest. They could, especially if you're stuck in some of those spots where you get, you know, two, three, four inches of rain. You know, it's going to take a while for that to, to, to drain out, especially with temperatures kind of starting to fall here. After that system uh, on Wednesday and Thursday kind of moves through, that main front there, that, that big storm, temperatures are going to get back towards more fall-like temperatures. So, uh, areas out in the western plains, northern plains, looking at lows getting down towards freezing. And, uh, you know, as that 
system finally works its way through the eastern Corn Belt, you know, Lowe's getting down into the, the 40s. So, you know, it's going to take a little bit longer than we had been, you know, used to for some of those uh, higher rainfall amounts that, that move across your area. We're talking with DTM meteorologist John Baranek. So some of the dry areas getting some rain, uh, they may not especially wanted it right at this moment if they're harvesting, but there's still a much needed rain uh, to kind of help that, those drought areas. You're right. So, I mean, they got some good rain across the Dakotas, uh, like I mentioned, over the weekend. That's going to help uh, eat into some of this drought. The system that goes through is just going to continue to help with that. Um, we're not going to see that eliminated, though. Uh, we're still dealing with some deep, deep drought across the Dakotas. Some areas, though, kind of across the, the central and southern plains, where it's only been kind of creeping up over the last couple of weeks or last month or so, um, got some good rainfall on Sunday as, as it moved through that one system. And this next one should probably put some more dents into it uh, coming up here over the next couple of days. So southern plains... Now, it's not going to hit everybody in the southern plains, but it's going to be a front and scattered showers and thunderstorms moving through. There's going to be some places that can hit it pretty good, but some places that get missed. And as we look at kind of western Kansas all the way down through west Texas, those are the areas that are more likely to get, uh, to get missed completely. So uh, some of the, the drought that's kind of been building there might increase a little bit. Otherwise, uh, you know, we've seen some drought increase across Illinois, Iowa, Missouri over the last couple of weeks, too. Uh, the system coming through today and the next one coming through in the next couple of days will help kind of put a stop to that. But, yeah, uh, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword as you go through fall with rainfall. You're trying to get rid of some of the drought before the, the freezing temperatures set in, but, you know, you don't want it to mess with your harvest. Yeah, de uh, delays because of rain, one thing, but storms and wind, that's a bigger concern with crops still standing in the field. Yeah, and that's the other thing I didn't really mention either. Um, you know, I did mention the severe weather, but, you know, one thing we're going to have to watch here across the western, uh, the western Corn Belt is the wind behind that big system here. So on Wednesday and maybe into Thursday, too, across Nebraska, South Dakota, possibly North Dakota as well, we're going to see wind gusts here in the 30 to 40-mile-an-hour 40 40 range for sure. But uh, there could be some areas in there where it gets over 50. So, um, you know, 30 to 40 is not too bad, but once you get over 50, that's, that's knocking stuff over. So those areas definitely will have uh, more widespread issues if crops are still out there. Other than that, it's, yeah, you're, you're, we're watching for severe storm coverage here with all these storms too. So uh, those are, are luckily more isolated areas that get hit. And we're not talking about anything like a huge duratio or, or a long line of severe storms uh, moving through at any point here. But there, there are going to be that, – that could be a potential here across the southern plains um, that would impact wheat with the, with the big system here on, on, when, on Tuesday. But um, other than that, everything should be, in terms of severe weather, kind of pinpricky across the Corn Belt. Okay, so stormy, bumpy here in the middle of the month. What about the latter half of October? Yeah, so after we get this system through and we just clear everything out here by the weekend, uh, we're, we're going to be back to a, a quieter pattern. We're going to start to see a ridge build back into the region. Uh, we're going to see one system kind of move through Canada in the middle of next week, and that could bring some cooler temperatures across the north, uh, maybe some isolated showers. But for the most part here, once we get through this weekend, we're, we're talking about a drier pattern and warmer pattern for the rest of the month. All right, so uh, let's uh, check in on South America. How's their weather going? Yeah, well, it's kind of a, a tale of two countries right now. And down in Brazil, uh, they've had some rainfall over the course of the last week here. Lots of good rainfall, good coverage. And that's only increasing this week. Um, you know, we're getting really into their, their rainy season now, so the, the daily showers and thunderstorms are popping up across central Brazil. And we still got a couple of systems moving in from Argentina, too, that are kind of enhancing showers across southern Brazil. So uh, as far as corn and soybeans are going, planting conditions, early growth is looking really good down there in Brazil. It would actually be beneficial to have some drier weather for some of their southern winter wheat areas. Uh, as they kind of get towards mature harvest. But uh, I think a lot of the areas down there that have been in drought, they had just terrible conditions last season, are, are really uh, liking the forecast and what's been going on here over the last week or so. 
Argentina, on the other on the other hand, though, has been on the drier side uh, over the last couple of weeks. They really need some more rainfall for corn and soybean planting and establishment down there. Um, for winter wheat, the soil moisture is okay, but it's drying up, so they really need uh, they really need rainfall down there. Now they're going to get a couple of these fronts moving through uh, in the middle of this week. Um, but the showers are going to be scattered until they get into Brazil. So there's going to be a lot of areas that still get missed out of that. So if you kind of take it uh, country by country, Brazil's looking really good and Argentina's is in need of rain. They're not looking so hot. So we have this second La Nina setting up. Is that it? Yep, and it's strengthening it all except for the, the very top layer of water in the Central Pacific, which is kind of oddly at a neutral state right now um, on the latest uh, monitor, but everything just below the surface and down hundreds of feet is all below normal uh, temperatures. So uh, we're going to expect that uh, La Nina should really intensify here over the next week or two and uh, continue with us through the winter. All right, so we'll keep an eye on that. The, the last La Nina didn't didn't wasn't as strong as we thought it was going to be. Does this one look like it's going to be stronger? Uh, yeah, it's and it's kind of unusual. Usually, the, the you can get La Ninas back to back rather frequently. That happens. Um, that happened with the last, I think, uh, four or five events where we've had back to back La Nina years. And um, you know, usually the first one is stronger, and the second one is either. Uh, the same or a little weaker, but usually we don't see the second one being stronger. On this one, though, it looks like it will be the case. You mentioned that the first one wasn't as strong as, as we might have thought it was going to be, and so, um, but this one here, the, the, the depth of the, the water that's just below normal is just incredible, so once that starts to make its way to the surface, uh, we should see a, a much stronger La Nina for the rest of this winter. Models have really kind of keyed in on uh, diving down into a, a stronger La Nina here over the over the course of this month and then continuing through the winter. All right, we'll be watching and again uh, expecting a, a kind of a stormy week this week across the Midwest, but then as you said, clearing out after that. John, as always, thanks for the update. We appreciate it. All right, thank you, Mike. Have a great week. You too, John Baranek, DTN Meteorologist. Well, coming up next, we're going to talk with the CEO of the Center for Food Integrity, Charlie Arnott. We're going to talk about some research that helps identify keys to getting consumer acceptance for ag technology. What's it going to take to get the consumers to buy in? Why are they skeptical? What are they skeptical about? How, do, how does production agriculture address that? We'll talk about it next right here on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart. I choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System because I know they've got my back. Their Spray Early Weed Control Guarantee helps me get the most out of early season applications. If I experience less than commercially acceptable performance, I'm eligible for up to $15 per acre on additional applications. That's a system I can depend on. The Roundup Ready Extend Crop System. See program details at SprayEarlyGuarantee.com. Guarantee is subject to program restrictions. Always follow pesticide label directions. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. Tomorrow, we will get to see a new update from the USDA supply and demand estimates. The market is expecting and trading bigger bean yields from the USDA than last month. The past week, futures have been choppy. We are seeing lower grain futures on the Board of Trade. The March corn contract trading three quarters of a cent lower at 538 and three quarters. The May contract down three quarters at 544. For soybeans, the January contract trading two and three quarters lower at 1251 and a half cent. 
The March contract down two and a fraction at 12.61 and a half cent. For wheat, Chicago wheat December trading a fraction higher at 7.34 and a half cent. Kansas City wheat December down a penny at 7.36 and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat December down two and a half cent at 9.45. The March contract down two and a half cent at 9.33 and a fraction of a cent. In cash cattle country, trade came in a little each day, but the bulk of business took place on Wednesday last week. Southern Live Deals had a range of $122 to $124, mostly at that $124 mark. Steady to a dollar higher with the previous week's weighted averages, Northern Dress Trade had a full range of $192 to $197, mostly at that $196 mark. Fully steady with the bulk of the prior week's weighted average basis in Nebraska. For Live Cattle Trade, Trading on the Board of Trade, the December contract up seven cents at 130.32. February up 22 at 135.02. For feeder cattle, November down a nickel at 161.12. The January contract trading 15 cents higher at 161.27. In lean hogs, the February contract down a dollar 50 at 82.37. December trading a dollar 65 lower at 79.85. In the outside markets, the Dow is up 179 points, the Nasdaq Composite up 74, the S&P 500 up 21, the U.S. dollar index is trending higher. You're listening to AOA, I'm Kirsten Rall. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end, but good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering, and your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, Someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. <laughs> Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Always enjoy conversations with Charlie Arnott, CEO for the Center for Food Integrity. Charlie, thanks for joining us again. Mike, always a pleasure. Great to be with you. I uh, want to talk about this topic, and you have uh, done a lot of research on this, uh, and looking at consumer acceptance or consumer rejection of the technology used in production agriculture in in food making in this country and we've seen both haven't we we've seen some acceptance we've seen some rejection uh, what does re research tell us about what's the driver what's the what moves consumers one way or another on this yeah great question mike and, and as you noted technology plays such a crucial role in agriculture and I think one of the things that is oftentimes underappreciated is the, the value of technology and the role that farmers play in utilizing technology. Uh, there may not be a more innovative sector of the economy anywhere than agriculture, but it frequently isn't perceived in that way. So part of what we wanted to better understand was what are the real drivers for acceptance of technology. And with the support of the United Soybean Board, we were able to do this research that really spanned the country to better understand the key drivers for what really drives acceptance or rejection, as you noted, uh, because we have seen that, clearly the GMOs being perhaps one of the more prevalent uh, reasons or, or issues, technologies that we've seen some concern about. So we looked at four different technologies, but what we were doing as we were looking at those technologies was, to your point, really understanding the key drivers. So the technologies that we used were gene editing in plants, gene editing in animals, uh, plant-based meat alternatives, and cultured or cell-based meat. And we really un began to uncover a, a number of things, some of which are, are somewhat obvious but are helpful to know, and, and some which may be a little less intuitive and can help us continue to design better models for technology acceptance. 
So first and foremost, there is a, is a desire for all technology to produce food that's safe to consume. Well, that's kind of a given, but it's not necessarily a given for consumers. Uh, clearly, as they, they, technology comes into the system, they want to make sure that there is verification and validation that the food coming from that technology is safe to consume. The second one is really important, and that's that the information on the food produced through the technology is readily available, so consumers have the choice about whether or not that technology is going to be in their food. So this goes to providing information about whether gene editing was used or this comes from a plant-based alternative or, 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 so I can make the decision as a consumer about whether or not I want to consume that. What's so interesting about this particular attribute, Mike, is that just making information available addresses that concern. Oftentimes, consumers won't even go to look. Um, but I'll tell you some, some previous work we did uh, when we were working with consumer focus groups. We found that when consumers became aware that they were consuming food that was produced through uh, GMOs, they became very uncomfortable about that and angry about it because they didn't know. When we gave them the opportunity to say, well, this information would be available, they said, well, that's great. I probably wouldn't even go look for it, but I would just feel better knowing that it was there. So oftentimes, just the commitment to be transparent is all that's required uh, to, to earn that level of trust, and they're not likely to go look. Um, benefits have to outweigh perceived risks, and the benefits need to be for society in general, not just for farmers. And I think that's, that's a key learning for us, that clearly we know technology benefits those in agriculture, but consumers want to know, look, if you want me to accept this, What's in it for me? What's in it for society? And we know that there are benefits. Uh, uh, technology makes us more sustainable, uh, requires less resource to produce the food that we need. It helps reduce animal disease, animal suffering. But we need to be able to talk about those so people understand that the benefits to society outweigh the perceived risks. Um, people are interested in knowing that it can help assure a consistent supply of food, so we all have access to food, which is slightly different than farmers feeding the world. Uh, technology helping to make sure we have a consistent supply of food is a slightly different value proposition. And then again, as I noted before, the technology promotes greater sustainability by allowing us to produce the food we need with less environmental impact. So those are some of the key drivers. There are mm. others as well, but, but it's really interesting to be able to kind of unpack what really is driving acceptance and what creates greater risk of rejection. Well, hindsight is twenty twenty, and we've talked about this before, Charlie. Uh, if you could go back when GMOs were being developed, if we'd have done a better job of explaining the benefits to consumers, I think we could have avoided a lot of the negative uh, perception that uh, was created around them. Uh, but now I find it interesting that a lot of the people, it seems like people that were so skeptical of GMOs have been more accepting of these plant-based and cell-based uh, protein product, meat products. Yeah, it really is interesting. And it, it's fascinating because a lot of the same technology is used. They're highly processed. They include a long list of ingredients. And there's a belief that that's coming back to perhaps bite some of those technologies or those, those products over the long term. But I think the interesting thing that it shows us, Mike, is the desire for something new or something different. And I think what we can do then is to learn from that to say, what is it about these products that is so incredibly appealing? And if it's the belief that they are uh, have less impact on the environment or they're healthier mm -hmm. for me or, 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 how can we communicate that, that meat produced from animals, the protein produced from animals, actually has those same attributes? And I think that's where, again, the light is shown, and that's the opportunity in this conversation. If, if the driver for consumer acceptance of those products is a belief that they are more sustainable, they're better for the environment, they're healthier, then we can capitalize on that knowledge by being able to tell the story about how animal agriculture makes those same attributes available to consumers on a consistent basis. Yeah, that's a good point. If it you, you identify what the consumer is wanting and then show them your product can do that. And in this case, uh, the conventional, the, the animal protein sector, livestock industry can say, hey, yes, we're doing that. You, you don't have to search somewhere else to find it. We can provide that for you, too. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think, I think there are times when, understandably, the, the initial response is, you don't know what you're talking about. Those products don't contain the attributes you're looking for. They're actually not very good for you, et cetera. But I think the, the better strategy might be, rather than to attack the alternatives, is to help people understand that we actually provide those benefits and more through conventional animal protein.
talking with Charlie Arnott, CEO for the Center for Food Integrity. Charlie, I also am struck by, and I just had a conversation with my granddaughter just the other day who's a freshman in high school, talking about topics like this, GMOs and things like that. She was doing a paper on it, doing some research. So we had this conversation. I'm thinking, when I was a freshman in high school, I don't think I asked these kind of questions. I don't think I was (laughs) really interested in these kind of things. I just, you know, uh, but that shows you got to know what your customers thinking about and what they are concerned about, right? That's absolutely right. The good news is that your granddaughter, a member of, of, of Gen Z, and millennials and some of the early adopters, those that are kind of looking for information, are actually more accepting of technology to solve mm-hmm. important societal challenges. And so that's great news because it gives us the opportunity to have that conversation with these emerging consumers to help them understand how the technology actually addresses issues that are important to them. So we know that Gen Z and millennials are increasingly interested in climate change and the impact on uh, the environment of food production and agriculture. We can have the conversation about how technology actually allows us to produce the food we need with less impact on the environment than ever before. So there is some there is some really good news here in terms of better understanding how we can introduce technology and the fact that younger generations are actually more accepting of the technology to address some of these crucial problems. Yeah, I think for those of us, maybe it's an age thing, but some of us, maybe in agriculture, think these questions that are being raised by consumers, we, we automatically think of them as a negative and some kind of a threat. And what you're saying this research shows, this can be a positive, this can be an opportunity, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I think we need to look at, at people who are asking questions as the opportunity for engagement. It really is great, you know, you know whether it's your granddaughter or someone else who's saying, hey, well, what about this? Uh, rather than, than perceiving that as a potential threat and something that we need to respond to with, with, in a defensive manner, embrace the questions as an opportunity to say, you know, I'm so glad you asked that question because today we're actually able to produce significantly more food with less impact on the environment, with less water, uh, with using less land, all because of the way we responsibly use technology. And then that's the door opening to have the more uh, additional conversation about how specific technologies can be applied to allow us to achieve those objectives. Yeah, because I thought as these cell-based and protein-based products were coming on the market, I thought, well, here's the biggest challenge for the livestock industry is if, if those the makers of those products somehow convince consumers that they're saving the planet by uh, by purchasing those products instead of, you know, products from from animals then that's a challenge but what you're saying here in this is an opportunity to say hey we can we can help with the environment we have a healthy product too so don't don't avoid us just because you're searching for something that we can provide yeah that's absolutely right and it's interesting because i was talking to someone else who worked for uh, with consumer packaged goods companies and he was talking about how the plant-based label has now become overheated and overhyped and it's kind of like the natural label was at one point in time that mm-hmm. everybody wants to include some plant-based indicator. And so it's beginning to lose some of its shine as we see more and more people claiming that something in their product is plant-based and that has, that's somehow supposed to create a halo. And so it's, uh, it's, it's becoming tarnished a bit. Uh, because it's overhyped and it's overused. So it's one of those things, but it's a good indicator. You know, what can we learn from this situation? What we can learn is there's real interest in making sure that food has less impact on the environment and that it's healthy. Great. Now that we know that, we can have that conversation in a more meaningful way. Wow. Very interesting. Very, very important to understand what those consumers are thinking and, and wanting to know. Charlie, good to talk with you. Thank you. Pleasure as always, Mike. Thanks. Take care. Charlie Arnott, CEO for the Center for Food Integrity. Up next, we take a look at the issue of line speeds and processing plants, packing plants. We'll talk with Steve Meyer with Partners for Production Agriculture next on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block, 
maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Why do I plant NK seeds? Because every seed's an investment, and I don't gamble on my farm. Out here, every seed's got to earn its acre. That's why I need corn and soybeans that deliver the results I expect. And it's why I always make room for elite performers from NK. Because every investment owes me a return, and success matters. Find your local NK retailer at nkseeds.com retailer. These acres you've put your life into your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at adspipe.com. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with Vapor Grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy Specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system, from global market access to local expertise. We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel, 
Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. At a recent House Ag Committee hearing on the state of the livestock industry, Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack told the committee that errors during the process writing the rules for the new swine inspection system had prevented six facilities from functioning with the faster line speeds allowed under the uh, the rules so he says they are working on this trying to take steps to address it perhaps granting waivers things like that to try to uh, uh, get these facilities with to get faster line speeds i want to talk about this issue with steve meyer economist for partners for production agriculture steve good to talk with you again what are your thoughts on where we're at with these line speeds and uh, the the challenges in getting them up to speed well, my first thought is it's about time. Um, I don't know why this couldn't have been moved on earlier. That's really the thing that ought to be answered. And and in defense of Secretary Vilsack, he didn't make this mistake. Uh, the previous administration made the mistake on writing the rules. And in the case of appealing the judge's decision in Minnesota, I think Secretary Vilsack kind of found himself in the same position as a football coach that looks up at the replay board and sees that the referee got the call right and doesn't throw the red flag to challenge it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think this judge, you know, like I say, I think she got it right that they didn't go by the rules in writing the rules. And, uh, and because of that, there wasn't any really need to, to appeal it to that same judge or to even a higher court. And so that leaves us with uh, a rule that's no good. And and now uh, there's two things that can happen. One of them would have been for the Biden administration to rewrite the rule. And um, I think they've got some political problems there of sucking a, a labor union on doing that. And then the second one is to try to find some waivers or some way to put these plants back under the old 20-year pilot project that they had run on. And it actually proven that their worker health and safety record was just as good as other plants. And that seems to be what they're doing. But doggone, it just, I don't know why they, they, it took till October to do this. And now we're in a position where we've got really more hogs than we can get slaughtered at the right pace right now. And we, we you know, our company does some marketing of live hogs for our clients. And uh, we got plenty of them to sell. And uh, a lot of other people in the same position right now. And uh, had they started this process four or five months ago, we might be in a position to have these plants running faster and keeping from forming this backlog. And I think the backlog is going to get worse when we get to November. And so, um, you know, it's about time is kind of my response to this. And I appreciate them doing something, but um, I, I don't really see any reason that it wasn't already done. So the question has been, can you have the faster line speeds and have worker safety as well and you say no that that's not the question that that question was answered the data shows that those plants were as safe or safer as the others so that's not the question the question is can you write the rules according to the rules that you're supposed to write them uh, by and the previous administration did not and so like say in secretary vilsack's defense he inherited this deal but i don't think he's moved quick enough to to rectify it in my opinion and now now, apparently, we've got some movement, and, uh, you know, any time that they can get this thing back up, it'll be good. But, you know, if they dilly-dally around and it's January or February, then the need is going to be passed. Uh, we could use that 85,000 head a week capacity that this thing took out. Okay, here's the other question, then. Can we get the workers to work in the plants that we need? Well, the, I mean, let's, let's do first things first, Mike. I mean, uh, you know. Let's get the ability to run them, and then we'll worry about getting them. I, I, I'm concerned that we can't. I mean, right now, you know, we can run about 490,000. We could physically, but we haven't slaughtered over 481 on any day so far, and mm-hmm. and that's only on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, basically, because Monday and Friday have been kind of long weekend days, it seems like, and we can't even get to 470 on most of those days. And it's, that's a labor situation, but, the, you know, the labor situation is really a moot point if you can't run that fast. So let's let's get this in place, and then we'll go try to find the workers. Now, 
uh, again, we need to realize that we might not be able to find the workers to, to actually uh, utilize that extra capacity, but right now we don't even have the option. So uh, uh, let's get this taken care of, and then we'll worry about the workers. And, and that is a concern, no question about it. Okay, so another issue, uh, USDA, Secretary Vilsack, is pushing for investment and in getting uh, more capacity, more plants, smaller producers uh, up and going. You've had some questions about that approach all along, too. Where, where, do, you, where do you feel how that's going, and, and what, where do you see that going? Well, you know, it's this idea that, um, you know, that uh, if we just invest in smaller plants, with they're way more nimble and all these kind of things. And the problem is there's a reason there isn't smaller plants out there, and that is that they are not competitive from a cost standpoint on processing pigs and converting a live hog to value-added cuts. Um, you can build a small plant, but it costs you more per unit of throughput. You have to premium price the product or you won't be able to make it. And so we're going to throw taxpayer money at some things that economically are kind of questionable and hope that we get more flexibility out of it should we ever have another pandemic, which happens, you know, so once every 100 years. Uh, none of those add up to me, all right? And, uh, uh, you know, we would be better off uh, putting money in and maybe expanding some of our big plants so that they can handle more hogs and do it on a cost-competitive basis. But that would be supporting large businesses, and this administration isn't going to do that, I don't think. Um, you know, I, I, I want to help uh, people be competitive. And uh, the problem with small packing plants is they aren't cost competitive in general. And if that's the case, then I'm not sure that's a very good investment of taxpayer dollars. All right, Steve. Always good to talk with you. Appreciate it. Take care. You bet, you bet Mike. Thanks. All right, Steve Meyer, economist with Partners for Production Agriculture. Coming up tomorrow, we'll hear from the beef industry about their concerns with the move by the Biden administration to expand monument designations. We'll get into that issue and much, much more. Thanks for being with us today. Hope you'll join us again tomorrow right here on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. These acres you've put your life into. Your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. I've been farming my whole life. I don't need somebody to come out here and state the obvious. I don't need anybody to explain my farm to me. My local co-op works with CHS, and they know what I need when I need it. A global network of support. Local expertise. And valuable market options. We need a co-op that's here for us. So we can own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com.